Bishop, it's so good to have you back in the house this evening. I want you to help me welcome Bishop Lance Johnson all the way from Relevate Church in Ranger, Georgia. Let him know you love him. Come on, give the Lord some praise tonight, church. Come on, give him all the glory. He's worthy. There is no name more worthy than the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, that name drug you out of some pretty bad places. Amen. Come on, broke some stuff off you you never thought you could be free from. All the name of Jesus is worthy tonight to be praised. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated, church. I want to take just a minute before I dive into the Word and, and just share a little brief testimony with you real quick. As most of you know, and I'll share with you, I've been also in revival for 12 months now in um, in Nortonville, Kentucky. I went there for a Sunday morning uh, service, and I've been there for a year. Uh, we came here for a men's meeting, and thank God I've been a part of this for four years, fixing to go into five. Amen. Come on, God's good. Amen. I don't know any people that get that kind of privilege to see that. And, and it's been amazing, but as most of you know and have watched on the television, uh, last uh, Saturday, Friday night going into Saturday, a horrific tornado ripped through a little town called Dawson Springs, Kentucky. It was about 15 miles from where we've been in revival for a year now. And guys, I just want to say this to you. I can't imagine what that city would have experienced had not that region been in revival. Uh, I want to show you tonight what, what revival looks like in the middle of tragedy. In Dawson Springs, there's less than 20% of an entire city that is left. There's no way that I could ever tell you or describe to you the devastation that's there. Homes will never be rebuilt. They're gone. Uh, where normally there would be roofs ripped off and there would be windows blowed out. There simply looks like uh, a bomb went off and there's nothing left. And people are displaced, they're homeless. But what I have seen, ooh, pray for me, uh, is the body of Christ emerge. With compassion and love and resources and with helping hands to help people that could not help themselves. In, in just a matter of hours on Sunday morning church between this church and a little church in Ranger that I have an honor to pastor, there was $30,000 in resources that became available immediately. While I was preaching, there were people running and picking up plywood and picking up totes and picking up quilts or blankets and the necessities of what the pastors on the ground said, Bishop, we need this. We loaded it up in trucks and left as soon as I said amen. I went preach Sunday night while our people were unloading stuff. And uh, Monday morning, we were boots on the ground. Uh, we, we turned around and came back home immediately. Uh, Pastor Todd wired money from here into the accounts. And I began to make contact with the other churches and the host pastors. Uh, finally was able to, to get in touch with David Edmondson there from Covenant Connection. Pastor David said, Bishop, I'm going back with you. I'm going to fill a truck up. He said, I got money in my missions. We're going we're gonna to take it. We're going. He went and filled up a, a, a truck and a trailer, loaded up plywood, loaded up supplies, everything that they said they had need of. Pastor Don Allen at War Hill uh, called me and said, Bishop, why hadn't you called? I said, man, I've been texting. I've been calling. He said, I promised Bishop I hadn't got it, but thank God I'm on the phone with you right now. And from the host pastors right here at the North Georgia Revival, the contributions and the resources and the supplies that have now gone to Dawson Springs, Kentucky, far exceeds $50,000 and comes probably closer to 100000 as trucks are rolling and preparing to roll even right now. Pastor Robbie from Freedom Tabernacle, you rolled out, brother. You stepped up. Every pastor rolled out, stepped up. That's what revival looks like in the middle of a tragedy because the body of Christ steps up and becomes the hands and feet of Jesus. 
And I want to thank every one of you that have, that have supported what God is doing because you are changing lives. And thank you when you give because of your generosity and because of your obedience. And I'll be leaving uh, tomorrow as there are trucks from War Hill rolling out in the morning, teams rolling in from the, uh, the Florida campus. All over these, the, the revival, host pastors revival, there are teams rolling out. And they're, they're rolling out. There's pictures, as you can see, of supplies that are being unloaded into tractor and trailers. These are just small pictures. We were working relentlessly, and we didn't really get a chance to take a lot of pictures. But the truth is, is you supplied tractor and trailer loads of food and supplies that have now into the hands of people. And... Uh, there are churches there uh, that have come together that are providing Christmas for the children that have been displaced, that lost everything. Uh, many of you, and if I can just tell this quick story, and I'm going to jump right into a quick message that I have a word from the Lord for you tonight, but I want to share. There's a young man, and he's not, he's not that young, but his name is Terry. Terry, he's been here to the North Georgia Revival. He has cerebral palsy. He, he was born with it. He vowed, I will not stop until I am totally healed. If you have ever watched some of the videos, some of you I'm sure have, that have been online from the, from the West Kentucky Revival, Terry is the young man that walks around front praising the Lord. He dances and praises the Lord sometimes due to his handicap. He'll fall, and, but when he falls, he'll always bounce right back up and start praising the Lord. I've never met any one man with such incredible mountain-moving faith in my life. Never seen him discouraged. He's in the middle of this tornado. He lives in an apartment in Dawson Springs. And Terry is sitting there in the middle of this, of this uh, uh, F5 tornado. And he says, God, I trust you. He's praying. He said, God, I trust you. He opens a can of cold soup. The, the power's out. He pulls the top on the soup. No more than he gets it open, the windows blow out of the house. And everything just simply implodes. It takes the whole top layer, two-story two, two apartment off the top only thing that's left is the apartment that he's setting in in the middle everything he has is sucked out gone except him his can of soup and his bible Somebody shows up, throws Terry on his shoulder, and takes him to the laundromat. Terry, Terry's still praising the Lord. He, he told me, he said, Bishop, I, I've seen this apartment. I've rode through and saw there's nothing left. I don't think he knows it because he never went back. He doesn't know it's all gone. And, and, the, and, and the amazing thing is, you know where he was Sunday morning? in a church without electricity that did not have electricity. He was in the front worshiping and dancing and praising God as if he had never been through anything. Your faith is when you can praise God, when you've lost everything the same way when you have every Oh, y'all don't want to hear me tonight. My God. But I want you to know that every need Terry has has already been met. The money's in the bank for a new apartment, new furniture, and everything that Terry's going to need has already been met by the amazing body of Christ. Give God some praise for his people being his hands and feet. This is what revival looks like. In the middle of tragedy, amen? I thank God for revival because revival causes God's people to be who he's called them to be, amen? Which is my message tonight. Turn to John chapter 4, verse 10. Believe it or not, I actually have some scriptures I'm going to read. I'm not just going to quote them. I'm actually going to read them. I usually just get wound up, start preaching and quoting, but tonight I'm actually going to take a text. Verse 10 of John chapter 4. Just one verse tonight, but I'm going to read a bunch and quote a lot, but I just have one verse for my foundation tonight. And I want you to listen carefully to what Jesus said to the woman at the well. I'm not preaching on the woman at the well, just simply this one statement that he made to the woman at the well. Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you would ask me for a drink, 
and I would give you living water. Father, tonight I thank you for the impartation of revelation and truth. God, we don't need no more sermons. God, we've heard so many sermons, and Lord, sermons that have left us the same. God, I don't want to preach another sermon. God, I just want to be a vessel tonight that would be an empty vessel that you can use it as a conduit to impart a revelation of truth and, God, an impartation of power and authority tonight that would ignite your people, Father. Lord, you have called us to be so much more than what we presently are. You have called us to be your hands and feet to do exactly what you do in the earth. Now, God, I thank you that we're not going to look to the preachers any longer, but we're going to realize that we have been called to be your hands and feet. We may be a janitor somewhere, God, but we're called to be a carrier of your glory. We're called to walk in your authority, your gifting, in your power. God, we may simply be somebody who stands on an assembly line in a, in, a, in a factory somewhere, but God, we are called to be your hands and feet. Awaken your church tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Somebody say, if she would have knew the gift. Say it again, if she would have knew the gift. She would have been asking Jesus for a drink. The truth of the matter is, if we really knew the magnitude of who God really is and what he did for us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and I know that most of us in this room and in the sound of my voice, we think we know what God did for us through the death and the resurrection of his son. But in fact, I think there's so much more that we need to know as it relates to who he is and what he came to give us. And I'm afraid that much of the reason that we don't know is because what he came to give us has been packaged by the church. It's been wrapped by the church. It's been prepared by the church, by the religious institutions throughout the years. And throughout the years, the packaging has changed. And people have come to expect the package or the gift that we have presented. There are many institutions that have minimized the gift of what God gave us in his son Jesus as simply a get-out-of-hell-free card. They have told them that Jesus died for their sins, but they do not know the magnitude of what that really means. They don't understand the magnitude of what came with mercy and forgiveness. They don't understand of the power and the gift and the authority that really came to us in Christ Jesus through what he did by the shedding of his blood, through the, through the beating and the stripes that he endured, through the, through the merciless afflictions that he took. And, and they did not preach what that resulted in, in the fact that by his stripes we really are healed. It's not a maybe, it's not a hope so, it is by his stripes we are healed. That we don't understand that, that through the death that he paid the price not only for us to be forgiven of our sins, but the power that sin holds over our life is simply been annihilated and destroyed. According to Romans chapter 6, my Bible says that because of what Christ did, I am no longer a slave to sin. Let me tell you what that means today. If you have ever been a drug addict in your life, you'll never bow your knee to heroin again. You will never bow your knee to a bottle again. You will never bow your knee to a cigarette again. You don't have to bow your knee to the control of methamphetamines anymore because the fact is what Jesus did, on the cross at Calvary completely destroyed the power of sin. My God. Somebody say it completely destroyed it. It did not take it away that you live one day at a time praying and hoping and, and begging that you never go back. I hope I got healed. I hope I got delivered. I hope I don't go back and drink again tomorrow. I hope I don't mess up and use tomorrow. 
That's the package religion sold you. A package that you get up 27 years after you've been out of addiction and tell somebody, hi, my name's Susie, I'm a drug addict. Well, I got news for you. If you know what is in the package, you understand I'm not a drug addict anymore. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm not a low down, no good, broke, busted, and disgusted somebody. I'm a king's kid. I've been called an heir of God and a joint heir with I've been called, come on, a royal priesthood in a holy nation. I've been called with a robe, a ring on my finger, shoes on my feet, and a fatty calf on the table. By God, somebody say, I'm not what I used to be because my God changed my life. See, we don't understand what's in the package. We bought into the package the church wrapped up that minimized what he really did. And there are people in the church today because you bought into the package and you never understood the content of what was really inside of it. And we said we believe what the preachers preached. And that's why you're walking around with a broken heart and a victim's mentality 37 years after you were abused or molested, raped, or abandoned. My Bible said in Luke 4, 18, I'm about to rip the packaging of your dead religion right off because I come to tell somebody in this room who's been bleeding for 27 years, who's been brokenhearted and been a victim by the abuse of what sin did to you, that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. It don't have to be a 20-year process. It don't have to take you $100,000 worth of counseling. My God is able right now to heal your broken heart. Somebody say, heal the brokenhearted. Say it one more time, heal the brokenhearted. My God, if he got a dead man out of a grave, four days dead and stinking, I believe God can heal you, that you'll never be a victim anymore. You will never be crippled anymore. You will never be in pain. No more sleepless nights. No more tears at midnight. See, see there, there's people in here right now. You bucket because you love the package. And you don't understand the gift that's in the package because the church has played down the gift. They played down the gift and they exalted the package because the package is what they wrapped. And it made people dependent upon them instead of him. We want people to depend on us. We need them to come back to our pews next week. Begging to get just enough to bring them back to the same place that they got to come back the next week. I don't want you here because you have to be here. I want you here because you're so happy that he made you whole. I will not. My God, I didn't come out of necessity. I came out of an overflow. I came out of the abundance of the joy. I didn't come out of a necessity as a beggar. I came as a giver to contribute back. Somebody saying abundance. See, we've sold people short. We've told people that it might be a process. I need to tell you I ain't making excuses for God no more. I'm going to preach him for who he is and what he paid the price for, and we got to have the faith to receive it. Somebody say I ain't settling for the package. I want the gift in the package. If we would give people the totality of what Jesus really did, 
Somebody say the totality of what he did. We would be, we would be coming and we would fill our churches. We would fill, come on, our ministries. I need to preach in here today. They would come like a woman with an issue of blood, been jacked up 12 years, and they would get over the hypocrites in the church. They would get over the other people that are thronging them and push their way in with an attitude of faith that said, if I can but touch the hymn. We'll have, we'll have Zacchaeus climbing trees. I want to preach we'll have blind Bartimaeus is crying all the louder. Church, you know why the world is not crying after the Jesus in whom we serve? Because we have packaged him wrongly. We've made excuses for him instead of preaching him for who he is and let the chips fall where they may. Can I, can I speak prophetically tonight? Listen to me, church. Faith comes by and hearing by the The world does not need our well-articulated, feel-good, inspirational, well-thought-out, illustrated sermons. They need a demonstration of power. If they knew who he was, say it with me, if, if they knew who he was, they would be asking him for a drink. And the only reason that they don't know him for who he is is because we have packaged him differently than he really is. See, the truth is God chose to package himself in flesh. When he came to the earth, born of the womb of a virgin, he came wrapped in flesh. Flesh is the only thing that wraps the gift. And when Christ died and rose again, after the day of Pentecost, Jesus told him, you tear down this temple. You tear down the vessel that houses the eternal God. His name was Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, I want to preach in here tonight. He said, if you tear down this temple that houses God, I'll build it back in three days. And through his death and through his resurrection, what he did was not just forgive humanity so they could get a one-way ticket to heaven. He washed our sins away that he could make us his habitation. God didn't just forgive you of your sins so you could go to heaven, honey. He forgave you of your sin so that he himself, through the Holy Ghost, could live inside of you. God said, I got to have a package. I got to have a gift. Are y'all following me? That will truly give who I really am. If you don't believe it's significant for you to come to the revelation of who it is that lives inside of you, I, I, this, ain't, this ain't biblically, let me, let me, it ain't religiously correct, but I double dog dare you to start praying the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Open the eyes of my understanding. Woo! My God, that I may know woo, the inheritance that is within me. 
not the inheritance given me, but the inheritance that is within me. Until you know who's in you, you will never give somebody the right gift. If you don't know who you are, better this, if you don't know who lives in you, you will give a crippled man laying at the gate beautiful a chunk of change instead of the ability to get up from a crippled lifestyle that left him a beggar all his life. But if you know who lives on the inside of you, you will reach down, take him by the hand, and give him a brand new life. My God, you got the power to give a drug addict a new life, a homosexual a new life. You got the power to give a victim a brand new, victorious life. You got the power to give a sinner the life of a saint. You've got the power to heal every broken heart, to open every blind eye. But if you don't know who lives inside of you, I'm going to say some things. It's going to be rough tonight, but I say it out of love for the church. We got to quit giving people institutionalized package Jesus because we don't build their faith. We don't build their expectation. We tell them God's not able. We tell them God don't do that. I need to tell some lying theologian that God's power did not ascend with the apostles. It did not stop at the canonization of the scripture. I come to tell somebody, my God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if he got Lazarus out of the grave, he going to get you out of the grave. He going to bring you out of the bondage. He going to break your shackles, heal your marriage, restore your family, and cause your cancer to dissipate. <laughs> Do you think for one minute that COVID is an issue to God? Do you think God don't have the cure? You don't think God don't have healing virtue for COVID? I promise you there ain't a disease that he can't heal. There is not a sickness that he can't cure tonight. Not a cancer. I don't care what stage it's in. I don't care what kind of cell. You can name it and claim it, but God can annihilate it. There's not a blind eye he can't open. There's not a marriage he can't restore. There's not a family that he can't rebuild. There's not a child so far out there that he can't bring them home. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 14. If you don't understand the gift that's inside of you, then you're going to have no drive, no desire, and no motivation to give what you've got away. I'm going to present this in a sobering manner. If God's so great, why ain't you winning everybody you know to Jesus? If God's so great in your life, why ain't you ever won one soul to Jesus? If God's so great, why ain't you laying hands on every sick person you know? If God's so great, why ain't you evangelizing your neighborhood? If God's so great, then why are you keeping him such a well-kept secret in your little pretty Christian package? If God's so great, why are you getting it all dressed up on Sunday morning and not giving it to nobody? Because when we don't really know 
who he is. We're not really willing to give him to somebody. Unless we're like the world, we think if we give it away, we're going to run out. Can I tell you what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14? He wrote to him and said, hey, Timothy, don't minimize the powerful gift that operates in your life. Somebody say, don't minimize the gift. Say it again, don't minimize the gift. Don't play down who he is, church. Don't play down his authority. Don't play down his power because there's not a demon that he can't drive out. They can come in the multitudes of 2,000 at one time, but it's nothing for the authority of the one who lives inside of you. Somebody say, don't minimize the powerful gift that operates in your life. For it was imparted to you by the laying on of hands of the elders and was activated through prophecy they spoke over you. How was the gift activated? By prophecy. It was given you by the laying on of hands and by the preaching or declaring or giving of God's word. The problem is, is we have packaged God in a package that hides who he really is. God never asked you to give somebody your flesh. He asked you to give them the gift that is within you. When Peter walks up to the man at the gate, he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you. In other words, I got something to give you. If in this box, wrapped so eloquently and nice and pretty and folded and articulated with a beautiful red bow. This cheesy mess of a gift that is it doesn't look like much, does it? It doesn't look like it should be adored, should it? Probably not valued, should it? And the truth is, is if I sold it to you by packaging, most of you would run after this well-wrapped, pretty red bow because what would matter is the packaging, not what was in the package. Because we're not looking at what's inside, we're looking at what's on the outside. And we've run to well-packaged religions that have no power. And we end up opening up these beautifully packages that are so eloquently wrapped that look so wonderful. With little signs that say, let it snow. And we get it with eager hearts. We get there and think, oh God, I have found it. And we opened it up because it, it had a children's ministry that looked more like Walt Disney, Disney than a church. It had a worship program that appealed to my flesh but did not move my spirit. It had preaching that tickled my ears instead of changing my soul. Y'all ain't hearing me preach. They made it easy without a sacrifice. Let me indulge in the flesh. But when I got there and pulled the top open, it was empty and all that remained was the falling glitter from a well-packaged nothing. Nothing. 
And when COVID hit, political corruption, racial division, financial, can I preach up in here today? F5 tornadoes. I'm going to preach right on up in here today. Natural disasters and calamities around the world. The people that had opened up what they thought was a fancy package and found out that it was full of emptiness have been left with no power but nothing but fear and dread. Y'all don't want to hear me preach because there was no substance in the package they opened. I might be in the wrong church tonight. I don't know. Because religion will not be your rock that stands in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of storm. But when you've got Christ Jesus, honey, he's a foundation unshakable and unmovable. He becomes my way maker when there seemeth not to be a way. That when all hell's coming against me, my God become my way maker, my strength, my door open, my water parting God that makes a way where we thought there was no way. He becomes comes the strength that holds my mind sane. He becomes my comforter when I mourn. He becomes my stability in an unstable world. He becomes my faith that said, though the enemy may come in like a flood, he becomes my standard. I'll not walk in fear. You walk in fear all you want to. You can live in the terror of everything hell regurgitates on this earth. But I tell you, for me, I have found the true and the living God, and I know that even if he kills, listen, even if the devil kills me, he only gives me the eternal life that Jesus paid the reward for. I'm like a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego of the 21st century. I will not bow my knee even if he don't deliver me because I know that I know that I know that I know. My God. in a wrapped up, messed up package with a nasty past where it had been thrown down, kicked around, abused, left in the pig pen where it had a little odor. Y'all with me? I'm talking about old nasty package that God had to reach down into miry clays of brokenness and dysfunction, divorce, addiction. God, I want to preach in here tonight that he had to reach way down in the midst of all of the mess and the mock and the mire of the world and he pulled out a messed up package. Wasn't educated, wasn't trained, didn't have a degree. But inside that package, What's the fullness of the glory of God? See, people don't need your well-dressed up package. They need the gift that's inside the package. If you knew who was inside of you, you would be telling everybody you know, I got a message, honey. Let me tell you about my Jesus. I may not be a theologian. I may not be of a pedigree, but I know that I know that I know that my God is able to heal you. He's able to deliver you. He's able to bring you out. He's able to bring you up. He's able to heal your family. Family, your broken heart, open your blinded eyes and get you out of the grave four days dead. Woo. And I'll close with this word. Come on. You ready? You ready? See, if you knew who was inside of you, you would understand that you're not going to run out. See, here's... I want to finish my sermon, but I need to give you this word, Todd Smith. Because God spoke to me tonight. And he said, because you know that there is ample of supply and there is more than enough. 
revival won't end. And you said it tonight in communion while we're in the back room. I like to run around the building. He said, this is only the beginning. It's just getting started. We're about to cross the five-year line. Hear me preach. My God, when most revivals are ending, ours is just getting started because we're not, listen, we're not just going to ease into, stumble into 2022. Honey, we're going into this thing with momentum. He said it out of his mouth, prophesying that this thing is gaining momentum. Let me tell you why it's gaining momentum. Are y'all ready for this? See, the reason yours is running out is because you won't use it. See, you've been praying for more. You get knocked down in the Holy Ghost, slapped down five times in an altar call, dumped 337 times, and you didn't go give it to nobody. God didn't heal you to keep it, honey. God healed you to give it. God didn't save you to keep it hidden. God saved you to give it to somebody else. God didn't give you a healing in your marriage for you to keep it a secret. God gave it to you to give it to somebody else. And I know the package looks jacked up, but people ain't interested about your package. They're interested about what's in your package. I'm going to close. Verse 7 of Matthew 10. And as you go, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Somebody say it. Preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can I bring that into to terminology you, you can understand? Jesus said when you pray like this, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The same authority, the same power, the same will that is established in heaven, God said is established when his sons and daughters obey his will and his voice. That's why he said the kingdom is within you. As long as God's will don't matter to you, there is no manifestation of his kingdom. As long as you just want a fire insurance policy because that's what the religious system packaged you, there is no manifestation of the kingdom. As long as you don't understand that God put the fullness of his life in you so you could give the fullness of his life to somebody else. As long as you keep thinking it's the preacher's job, the bishop's job, the apostle's job, the evangelist's job. But see, we got this thing in the church jacked up. It's wrong. We packaged it wrong. He said, I gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry. It's time we got up, that we emerged, and that we rose up to be the hands and the feet of Jesus that carries his glory and his power. You ready? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he said, heal the sick. Say it with me, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received freely give if you don't know what to expect out of him because of who he is and what he did and if you ain't partaking of it yourself you sure ain't gonna give it to nobody else As long as all you ever got was a fire insurance policy, why be in a hurry 
until you hear the trumpet sound. Because it don't mean nothing to a broken single mom who's been broken, misused and abused, a life full of bad decisions and the consequences that go along with it. She's sitting there with no dreams and no hopes. The only thing she's got to show is, unfortunately, is a drug habit that she never really wanted, but somehow or another she tried to ease the pain of an uncle who raped her, a mama's boyfriend that molested her. I'm going to preach like where real people live. These are the folks I minister to. Because, see, they dress up and look all cute and package themselves well on Sunday morning, but you ain't seen their backstory. And you think they ain't been through something, you don't even know why they're so dysfunctional. You don't know the pain and what they bleed every night. You don't know their, their stories of where they've been. And the problem is they're showing up in church because they got nowhere else to go. And they're coming to church, but they're still bleeding. They're still fearful. They still don't know how to have a functioning relationship because they don't know how it is to be loved or to give love. Because all they've ever had is what the devil dealt them. But my Jesus didn't come to prop them up and make them the walking wounded. He didn't come to prop them up that one day they're good and the next day they're afraid they're going back. He came to heal them, deliver them, clean them up, and transform them and give them life and life more abundantly. He came to give them stability. He came to give them dreams. He came to give them vision and hope. He didn't call you to be the walking wounded. He called you to be the whole and healed. I'm going to tell you. Let me tell you why I got the passion and zeal. They didn't train me in seminary. I didn't get what I got from a bunch of religious people. I got what I got, a drug addict, an alcoholic, and a gun runner who God reached down in my living room over 30 years ago, and he picked me up and he turned me around. He saved me, healed me, transformed me, restored my marriage, gave me my baby back, and has given me over 30 years of an established family, and he's given me over 30 years of preaching to the multitudes, the uncompromised hope of the gospel of the kingdom that transforms lives, that sets the captives free that heals the brokenhearted because Lance Johnson never had nothing but the God who lives inside of this jacked up country packet can do exceedingly abundantly above everything you can ask or think. Stand with me all over the house. If I told you there was a check in this package for $10 million certified funds. $10 million, Pastor Todd. $10 million certified funds. Just that, just that the suggestion might get me trampled. out the cash take it to your bank for direct deposit 10 million dollars better than the Georgia lottery you ain't even got to buy a ticket on it you just got to have enough faith to run up there and grab it man, thank you, in this whole building had enough faith to believe.
the only reason the rest of you didn't run up here and get it because you don't believe me. Because there's not a one of you in this building that would have not have run on this stage for $10 million. You would have jumped on top of each other, not flipped chairs and pews over. You would have knocked the cameramen off the platforms if you believed me. You know why you don't believe me? Because, hey, that's Bishop Lance. We know him. He don't have $10 million. Because you judge my package. Because the truth is, ain't none of y'all in this building knows what I got and don't got. There ain't but one woman in this building that knows what I got and don't got. She's sitting right there. She, her name is Lisa Johnson. She is my wife. The rest of y'all don't know. You may think you know. You may drive by my house and think you know, but you don't know what I got. Y'all not hear me preach. Because we're allowing our faith to be controlled by a package. And we're trying to rationalize and reasoning which package we're going to believe. The one who's well-dressed and well-articulated or the guy who screamed and hollered and is fat and overweight. You stay there. I want to use you because you got faith. Right here in my hands is a book called the Bible. There are 66 individual books that makes up what we call the Holy Bible. And from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelations, it is filled with the promise of who God is. And instead of believing God for who he says he is and who the Holy Spirit reveals him to be, we choose which package we're going to believe that's peddling whatever image they want to peddle. Because tonight in this altar, my God said, I'll heal all your diseases and all your sicknesses. My God said, I'll set the captives free. My God promises, I will heal the brokenhearted. My God promises, that he will restore what the canker worm has eaten away. My God promises that with him, not some things, but all things are possible. My God promises me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God promises me he will never leave me nor ever forsake me. My God promises that he will comfort me when I mourn. My God promises me that in my sorrow he will comfort me. My God promises me he will give me peace that passes all understanding. My God promises me that he will bear my burdens and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But you're going to wait and sit there in pain, in darkness, in despair, in living a life of crippled addiction because you're not sure if you like the package. But all I've told you tonight is everything God said he would do in his word. This man to have run up this steps and grabbed this box had to trust that the message about what was on the inside was true. Otherwise, he would have sat there just like you sat there and never took a chance. You can sit there tonight and remain broken. You can sit there tonight 
and be bound. Or you can run find a place in an altar and be healed, just like my brother. You can run and have your marriage restored. You can come tonight and have your blind eyes open. You can come tonight and have the demons cast out of you. You can come tonight and have your lost, weary soul saved and be born again. I want you to bow your heads with me tonight. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having faith. How many people in this room right now? You're lost. You're broken. You're hurting. Your life's spiraling out of control. You've been in and out. You've been to church. Church ain't worked. You've done things, but you're still hurting, and you're lost, and you don't know where to turn. You're questioning, is God real? You've tried every method that you could try, but you still find yourself shackled by the bondages that hold you a slave. And tonight, you say, Bishop, I want to be free. Tonight, I believe the Word, and I want to be set free. I want my broken heart healed. I want to be found. I want to walk in the light. I don't want to grope in darkness no more. I don't want to be hopeless tomorrow when I wake up. If that's you in this room, I'm going to count to three. I don't need you to be fearful. I need you to be faith, full of faith. I need you today to say, God, I believe you, that you are the God that heals. You are the God that delivers. If you're in this room today and you're lost and you're ready to be, you're ready to be found. If you're backslid and you're ready to be saved. If you're wandering out there in the darkness, hopeless, and you're ready to have God find you and your life forever changed. Right now at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. No procrastination. Do not reason with this altar call. You answer it because you know that God is in pursuit of you tonight. One, two, three. Raise them high. Raise them high. Raise them high all over the building that you, you know that's you. I want every man and woman, you got your hand in the air. I want you to get out from behind your seat fast, quickly, right now, and join me down here in this altar. There's people already here. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, there's hands all over the building. Do you believe? My question is, do you want this? Come on. Come on. Come on, if you're online, come on, let somebody online. They're ready to pray for you. Let them know, that's me. I'm ready for God to change my life. Come on, there's others. You need to come right now. Do you believe or do you not believe? Look at me. You know why I know he's real? I'm the guy. I'm the man. $250 a day cocaine habit, alcoholic, womanizer, I put more women in the garters, in, in, in women's garters in the strip club. It's most of you'll make in a lifetime. I was a womanizer. I was a whoremonger. I was a horrible human being. I hated people. I was a racist. I was everything that you could imagine. If it, if it was bad, I was it in my culture. But I'm going to tell you what the mercy of God did. He reached down in my living room, and he saved me, and he transformed me. I'd been to a countless altar calls and prayed countless sinners' prayers. But September 2nd, 1990, I met Jesus in my living room. And I'm going to tell you what my Jesus did for me. I ain't never went back to the club. I ain't never went back to the dope. I ain't never run another gun. I ain't never put another straw in my, in my nose or a bottle of liquor to my lips. I need to preach in here today. Alcohol is not found in my home. Don't want no part of it. Don't got no look for other women. I love my fellow man. Don't care where you came from, what your history is, what your background is, or what the color of your skin is. I love you. Let me tell you what this love will do. It'll make you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and climb up in your truck and drive to Kentucky to be able to help some people you ain't never met in your life. That's what God will do for you. He'll give you a heart full of faith. If he can do it for Lance Johnson, he's going to do it for those that raise their hands in this building. They, some of you need to get out from behind your seat and quit negotiating with God because you went after drugs with all of your heart. You chased after all the stuff that pleased your flesh, and now you wonder why you can't get delivered because you tiptoeing with Jesus, and it's time to quit playing games and come after God. The way you went after the dope, the way you went after the world. Can I, can I just, how many of you in this room tonight are afflicted in your bodies. You need a miracle tonight. Raise your hand. 
I need you to get out from behind your seat if you believe God's going to heal you tonight and join me in this altar. Come on. Come on. If you need healing in your body, I don't care if they got to roll you up here in a wheelchair. Come on. I need you to come tonight. You need a miracle in your body. You need God to heal your body tonight. How many of you in this room need a miracle in your marriage tonight? Raise your hand. You need a miracle in your marriage. Raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Come on. You need a miracle in your marriage. Come on. Come on. Come here, Lisa. Come here, Lisa. Let me tell you what God will do. He'll take you away from being a day away from divorce. And he'll heal both of you and make you whole. Put your marriage back together and you'll be standing 34 years later stronger than ever because there's not a marriage in this building that my God can't heal. I'm here to tell you, why do I know that? Because I'm a partaker of that gift. You need your marriage healed. You need to be in this altar tonight. How many of you in here need a breakthrough in your life? You're really struggling tonight and you need a breakthrough. How many of you in here? Join me in this altar. Join me. Father, tonight, right now, I'm asking you to meet every man and woman that have come to this altar that is broken and hurting and wounded and lost. I'm asking you to meet them with the gift of salvation that forever changes their life. That tonight, Father, as they repent of their sins, as they accept in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus died for them and on the third day rose again, that as they believe in you for their eternal salvation, for the forgiveness of their sins, and they believe in you for the great gift of being regenerated and born again, that right now miracles will begin to happen all across this altar right now. That God, you release the gift of regeneration. That Father, right now, that shackles of addiction begin to fall to the ground. I curse addiction right now. Every sin that has bound your sons and daughters fall off in the name of Jesus. I command every sin and addiction to be broken. I command every demon to come out by the authority of Jesus' name. I speak healing over every sick body. To the day, right now, the kingdom of heaven manifest, for it has come nigh unto them. And that God, that every sick affliction is healed tonight in the name of Jesus. Every disease healed in the name of Jesus. I pray tonight that every marriage that is in this room, that is, that is broken and splintered. That there are irreconcilable differences. That there's anger and unforgiveness. That tonight those marriages are being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Complete healing of broken hearts. Complete healing of broken families. Tonight, God, heal everybody, save every lost person, restore every backslider, restore every family. Do it tonight that the name of Jesus is exalted in all of the earth. Lift your heads. Say this with me all over the building. Heavenly Father, I receive your gift. The totality of everything that you came to give me through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I receive healing. I receive restoration. I receive salvation. I receive deliverance. I receive wholeness. Tonight, my broken heart is healed. Tonight, every demon is leaving. Tonight, depression is leaving. Tonight, the spirit of suicide is leaving. Tonight, I receive joy. I receive abundant life. I receive everlasting life. Tonight, in the name of Jesus. I want you to look up here real quickly real quickly for four years 202 weeks I've personally watched whether in person or online sometimes I have to go back and watch because I'm preaching elsewhere but for four years I've watched the most broken the most divided the most lost the most bound I've watched God meet them in the waters I watched marriages reconciled. 
I've watched the scars of suicidal young girls who were, who were suicidal and depressed. Cutters that had cut themselves for years walk in the water. And not only did the physical scars disappear, but so did their broken heart become healed. I've watched the lost be saved. I've watched backslid preachers be restored. I've seen more miracles in 202 weeks than I've seen in 30 years of full-time ministry. Tonight, if I was you, I would meet Jesus in the water. Tonight, I would confirm, seal, and establish what God's done right here tonight through the preaching of faith. Tonight, go lay hold of everything that God provided for you to be whole so that you can go give it to somebody else. And when you're healed, don't you keep that healing to yourself. You go give it to somebody else because as God freely gave it to you, he's waiting on you to freely give it to somebody else. Somebody's going to need your testimony. They don't need a Todd Smith to put it on, 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 on social media. You ought to tell the world what he did for you. You ought to use your social media platform as a place to tell your friend, let me tell you about the Jesus I met in Dawsonville, Georgia. Let me tell you how he delivered me. Let me tell you how I walked into practice and walked out delivered. Let me tell you how he met me and took away the fear and filled me with faith. Tell your coworkers, tell your family, go to your, go to your family Christmas dinner and tell them about the greatest gift that's ever been given to humanity. And it was the gift of what Jesus did on the cross and what that means to you and I. And that that same Jesus that died on the cross, that got out of the grave on the third day, lives on the inside of you. So that when you give, you're not giving just a message, you're giving a demonstration of power. Pastor, if I'm doing this correctly, to my right, to your left, we're going to open up. Is this the right step? We're going to open up this. If you have the letter A, listen to me carefully. If you have letter A, I want you to prepare to come and get ready for baptism. Right up these steps, these men are going to greet you. They're going to help you to the back. We're going to open up the altars tonight. We're going to be praying for people tonight. If you need prayer, the altar workers are coming right now. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you. God's going to heal the sick. God's going to set captives free tonight. I want you to come. If you need prayer in the altar, you can come. Everybody with the letter A, come this way. If you've not registered, you need to go to the table outside in the foyer and please register. Get your letter quickly and we'll meet you in the baptistry. No matter how long it takes tonight, we're going to be here.